On this episode of Trading Camp, we interview Simply Sim. She talks about how learning to read the tape has helped her remain profitable and how her background and life story has shaped her into the trader she's become today. This episode is brought to you by Kane Capital, a trading community over 25,000 strong featuring live trading alerts and educational content. Link in the notes to join for free today. It's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name when last year I spent more money on spilled liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheel of dealing, limousine right, jet Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with episode 37 of TCP Trading Camp Pod on a bit of a roll right now. We had Rocky B trades on the previous episode. You guys love that one. We have another excellent options trader with us this evening. Before I bring her in, Noah, how we doing? Alejandro, what's going on? Um, super excited for episode 37. Um, can't believe we're already at 37. Wow. Um, really excited for this conversation. I think, like you said, really strong options trader. And, um, she was on the spaces the other day. Loved what she had to say. Loved kind of her, just her outlook, um, on the market and, and, and trading in general. And so I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. It does seem like we ran into Sim, better known as Sniper Sim by chance. She joined our space the other night, as Noah mentioned, had a really strong conversation with her, asked her to come on the pod. She was nice enough to agree. So with us this evening, without further ado, Sniper Sim, how are you doing? What's up, guys? Uh, first off, thank you guys for having me on. Um, phenomenal space that you guys held. Uh, there was no question when it came to coming onto this podcast today. So I really appreciate being on this today. Uh, it's good to hear that we made a strong first impression. As I mentioned, excited to get you on. You do have a pretty large following. And from what I've seen, you're a very talented trader. So I'm excited to get to have this conversation and get to ask you some questions about how you're currently maneuvering what is a difficult market. But before we get into that, I'd love to ask you about your background and how you got into trading to begin with. Yeah, absolutely, guys. So, you know, I actually started off, um, I worked in law enforcement. So I do come from a law enforcement background. Uh, I started when I was 13 years old with an internship. I got hired on at 18 years old as a cadet, which is a, a non-sworn officer. Um, after that, I uh, I joined the police academy. Um, I, I worked for a very long time in law enforcement. That's really all I knew. Um, but, you know, things happen in life. And uh, I, my misstep, or you could say my speed bump in life, during that time was uh, when I, I encountered a pretty heavy car accident. Um, I was hit by multiple vehicles, trapped in my car, ended up being bedridden for a fair few amount of months. Um, I ended up developing sciatica, which is a pinched nerve um, in your back. And that really kept me from physically being, up, being able to go back into law enforcement immediately. So um, during that time, I was actually placed on disability. Um, I tried to, you know, I'm, I'm a workaholic. Um, I was working multiple other jobs during that time as well. I'm a firearms instructor. I've been doing that since I was 19. 
Um, I do some property management as well. I manage multiple uh, townhomes and other properties and estates all across the West Coast here, um, specifically in California. And then I also uh, am a notary public as well, where I work as a signing agent for multiple title companies here in the Bay Area and abroad. Um, you know, so I, I guess, you know, you could call me a workaholic. Uh, it's just something that I always believe in multiple streams of income. And, uh, you know, during that time, one of my main career was put on hold. And I actually was hired on at Google. I work in cybersecurity under the trust and safety team over there. And then the pandemic hit. Um, I was working for Google for about a year and a half before the pandemic hit. And, um, you know, Google's all about the campus, all about the, the social factor of the environment there. And being at home, especially living in California at that time, we were on heavy lockdown and I couldn't really find anything to do. So I kind of figured that I'm going to sit at home and just become bored. Right. So I don't know if you guys remember this. Do you guys remember um, Tiger King that came out on Netflix? Yes. Fabulous. Cool. So, yeah. So, you know, very viral. Right. So a uh, couple of friends of mine said, hey, you know, you got to watch this. It's great. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I'm working and uh, just, you know, scrolling my IG, my Instagram. And uh, it, I always believe in signs in life. Right. So I, I'm scrolling through and I see this quote and the quote said, you know, a couple of weeks or months from now, when this whole thing is over, meaning the pandemic, um, you're either going to be tapped out on all the shows on Netflix or you're going to learn something like, who do you want to be? You want to be this loser that's going to spend all this time watching a bunch of bullshit Netflix series, right? And biding your time or are you going to put that energy and effort into something? Um, that was a big sign for me. So I closed my laptop, stopped watching it and I kind of sat there and I brainstormed. I'm like, well, what did, what have I wanted to learn that I haven't been able to do? And it's always been the stock market. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't come from uh, any type of family background or have any friends that, you know, worked in the industry when it came to finance. Um, I didn't know anything about the market. And uh, I essentially just started off watching a bunch of YouTube videos. Um, you know, fast forward to now watching hundreds of YouTube videos. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many different techniques and uh, that I had to, you know, watch and strategies and uh, videos about risk management that I hated because I didn't know what the fuck that was. And, you know, position sizing and all these different things. But um, essentially, I jumped into the market with $3,000. And um, I was trading some equity in the beginning. I didn't really didn't know what I was doing though, right? I was making like five bucks and I thought I mastered the market, right? But um, I jumped into options trading because a friend of mine had told me about it. So I made my first options trade in June of 2020. And um, during that time, I made my first $100 in the market and I kept making money, right? And I was able to almost triple this account. Account landed at about $8,000. I thought I mastered the market, took a bunch of ER plays thinking I know what I'm doing. And uh, and then I lost it all. I think that was a big eye-opening experience for me because I lost it all. And then once I lost, that was a, a big amount of money for me at the time. Once I lost that money, I was like, you know, there has to be a different way. There has to be something that I'm doing wrong here. How was I able to take this account to this value and then I, I lost it all. So big eye opener for me. And it was like the aha moment of 
okay, well, where's your plan at? Everybody talks about having a plan. Everybody talks about risk management, uh, position sizing, right? Having a proper risk profile, um, you know, overexposure to the market, underexposure, whatever the case may be. There's all these videos on it. And I would always not watch these videos. So I started watching the videos. And um, and then I, I tried to figure out what is my strategy. Now, I was on Robinhood and I didn't know anything about PDT. So I was essentially just swinging uh, contracts because I hit PDT. And then I was just swinging a bunch of contracts overnight and essentially getting lucky. So what I did was, you know, I tried to figure out a good strategy. Um, I heard about tape reading. And this was like the most, they talk about this being the most simplistic form of trading, but it's very difficult to learn. I sat there for about four months, I want to say, and I would just watch the tape, which is time and sales. I would just watch level two, which is the order books. And I would watch the chart and I would watch, you know, the, the supply come in, the demand come in. And I want, really wanted to be good at the style of trading. Started off with another $3,000, was able to take that to 15K. And then I was able to, in about a month and a half, take that to 100K. That's when I really figured out that the strategy is working for me. Um, I adopted scalp trading. Scalp trading, to me, um, when I looked at different types of markets, bullish or bearish momentum, scalp trading works in any market, even the choppiest markets, right? That's what it's there for. So why not go ahead and, and deep divulge into something like that? So, you know, fast forward to now, um, I've been able to, to grow into a seven-figure account. Um, and, uh, it, it brings me to where I'm at today, but, uh, with all those mistakes and all the dumb shit that I did before, um, it's crazy being here now and, you know, making five figures a day, typically on average. Uh, whereas I used to think that that was so far fetched that I, I would never reach those goals, but that's what brings me here today. That's an amazing story. And, you know, so many things that I could pick off of in that story, but the one that I want to touch on really is. When you talked about making all of um, the money when you first started trading, you had you know a lot of success, and then immediately you sort of lost it all, and you're sitting there like, okay, well, I was able to do this once, you know, either it was just pure blind luck, which is you know unlikely that you can get right that many times in a row, or you know I kind of know what I'm doing, and I just need to to work on some things and switch some things around, and I think that exact moment that you talked about that you were in. I think that so many traders go through that moment. And I feel like that's really the defining moment for the people who say to themselves, okay, well, I'm not going to not do this. So I have to figure it out one way or the other, whether it means scaling back on my size, scaling back the amount of trades, really sitting on and trying to learn as opposed to trying to go in and make $100,000 every day, really just taking a step back and learning um, and being willing to be a student of the market. And then somebody else who makes all the money, loses it, says the stock market's a scam and never touches it again. And I feel like so many people go the, the latter route, right? They, they just say, you know what? I was doing everything that I could, but the, it's the market's fault. The market robbed me. The market took this money away from me. And I think the people who realize that it's, it's not, it wasn't the market. It was you. You lost that money because whether you didn't have proper risk management, whether you didn't, have a proper strategy, whether you were using a strategy that worked at one point and then it stopped working, but you continued to hammer it, whatever the reason, it was you who lost the money. And so you have to take accountability. And once you do that, that opens up the door to, like you said, putting yourself in that position to become a student, putting yourself in that position to learn, because without that, you don't become um, a seven-figure trader like Sim is. 
I agree. I mean, you know, one of the things that I always say, it's very difficult when you have a type of downfall in your life or whether it's a misstep or, you know, something, I call it like a pullback on life and you come to a realization like that, it's hard to face yourself, right? I think in any instance in life, but during that time, it was very difficult for me to face that I lost that amount of money because that was a lot of money to me at that time. And, you know, the market will humble you, right? The market smacked the hell out of me. And, um, but you know, again, I, one of the things that I always, and I always use this analogy, right? I treat this game like a sport. And if you treat this game like a sport, there's various things that are a part of that, that will help you. And one of the things to me is like, you know, I enter this market, like it's a boxing ring every single day, right? I'm going to throw some jabs. Those are my winners. I'm going to take some hits. Those are losses, right? I got to block those hits sometimes. That's your risk management setting into place. And then if the opportunity presents itself, you're going to go for that big KO. And those are the big winners that you're going to get in the market. But then on on shitty days in the market, you're going to lose by decision, right? You're not going to get KO'd because it's not every single day where you're just going to blow account, blow account, blow account, unless you, you have no risk profile, right? And you have horrible position sizing. But on some days, you're going to lose by decision, but you don't cry. You don't victimize yourself, right? You don't second guess. You stick to your rules. And if you stick to your rules, you put that energy into what that was and you put it into what's in front of you. And then you go for the knockout the next day. You have to refocus yourself. You got to align yourself with the right energy. And then you bring the fucking heat every single day. If you treat it like that and if you think of it like that, um, the game changes for you. Now it becomes a competition within yourself, right? So I think that that is definitely one thing that has helped me the most is understanding that. Because again, you know, going back on what I said earlier, it's very difficult to be able to face yourself during that time. But it's really about overcoming that. I always say, you know, first you learn, then you take away the L. And that's when you earn. So I always use these little analogies, right? Um even on days where I have a tough day in the market. Market's been very tough in June for a lot of people. A lot of people have been getting washed out left and right. But if you if you stick to it and you understand where you're taking the losses and you take that accountability, just like you said, uh, that's really what takes you to the next level. You've made a really good point when talking about throwing jabs, you're going to take a few punches, and then you go for the knockout. A lot of people, a lot of traders exert massive amounts of energy when there's no need to, when market conditions aren't prime for those KOs, for those home runs, for those bigger trades that are going to make your week, month, maybe even year. And every trader has that mindset. You mentioned treating it like a sport. So a lot of people, they swing out of their shoes in the sense that they'll go into the trading day and it's like, today is the day I'm making this much money. I don't care what happens. I'm not going to take into account market conditions. I'm not going to let the market tell me whether or not the opportunity is there. I'm just going to do it today. And they have that mindset every single day. And what happens is they start killing themselves, not necessarily their accounts, but it's mentally draining. It becomes very mentally draining, especially in this market, because you want to make a lot of money and you want to be able to do that every day. But you got to be able to understand that it's unrealistic. There are going to be days 
that present large amounts of opportunity, that present opportunities to make really good trades. There are going to be other days that provide zero opportunity, right? Close to zero opportunity. And those are the type of days where maybe you step away, you know, you take a few hits. If you're managing your risk properly, you're still living to see another day. And I think that a lot of traders let that slip past them. It's very in the moment, this second, right now thinking that gets people in trouble because what do they do? They take one loss and then it's, okay, got to make it back. Then they take a lo- another loss and it spirals out of control versus thinking, you know, the market is telling me right now, it's giving me feedback. Either I'm not on my A game today, either I'm not trading to the best of my ability or opportunities are limited. Maybe let me just take my small losses. We'll get them tomorrow. But people don't have that self-control. They get carried away and it ends up becoming way, way worse than it should. I agree. And, you know, one of the things that I actually always talk about in particular to, I think, the FinTwit community, and this isn't, you know, going after anybody, but everybody's always looking for those big percentage gainers. Now they come, but those home runs don't come every single day. So it's okay to take the base hits, right? I mean, this game is... For me, the one thing that I learned after blowing that account was this game is about consistency. That's it. It's never going to be a sprint. It's always going to be a marathon. And you want to be able to compound those gains. So one of the things that, um, you know, when it comes to trading psychology, I always emphasize this when I teach is, you know, relate your wins to something related to a material object, right? Something material in your life. So when I started growing that second 3K account after blowing the first one, I would relate these base hits, 120 bucks here, 150 bucks here, 80 bucks here, 50 bucks here to something material in my life. And it would kind of go like this, right? So, you know, even the smallest wins that I have, um, I would take even 40 bucks off of a trade small position during that time. And I would take 40 bucks. I'm like, okay, you know, This is going to be my dinner for tonight or maybe my Uber ride for tonight, right? Took uh, 150 bucks. Okay, this is dinner and drinks over the weekend, right? 180 bucks. Okay, cool. This is my phone bill or internet bill, whatever the fuck, right? You can pick and choose, you know, even the smallest wins here and there that I would take, I'll be like, yo, okay, so how can I relate this to something that's still of value? Now, if I say, okay, I made, you know, 20 bucks on a trade, right? Smaller account, you make 20 bucks on a trade. Um. Am I going to sit there and say, oh, well, it's only 20 bucks? No, right? Relate that to something. I used to relate it. This is when the dollar menu at McDonald's existed. Now I know it's fucking through the roof, right? But I would relate it to McChicken sandwiches. And I would literally tell people, yo, dollar menu, cool. I just took 20 bucks right here. That's 20 fucking McChicken sandwiches. Now that sounds like a lot. So if I'm going to go and I'm going to explain this to somebody, right? And I say it's 20 bucks. They're like, ah, that's not that much. If you think about it in a different way, you change your psychology and you say, well, this is 20 McChicken sandwiches. Now you're going to feed your whole fucking family, maybe your whole neighborhood, right? So you want to be able to relate it to something like that. But again, it comes down to the individual, right? And I think that it's very easy to get influenced by what we see. And one of the things that, you know, I initially joined a, a Discord um, a couple months into trading because I, I wanted to trade with the community. It's a lot of fun. So in that community, you know, I would look at the gains channel and I was making like 120 bucks a day, right? If that. And I look at the gains channel and there's people that are making thousands, right? And 
you could use that as motivation or you could use it as your jealousy factor of like, you know, fuck me, you know, why can't I, why can't I? And that's where that overexertion that you're talking about happens. That's where the desperation happens. If you come into the market without an abundance mindset, abundance mindset is I already have it. Right. And, you know, you, you, you say your intentions out. Like I'm a big time person on intentions. I wake up every single morning. I have set intentions every single day that I say right when I wake up and right before I go to sleep at night, because this is something that it's, it's proven, right? It deep divulges into your subconscious and it has to appear in your reality. So I always think about these little things in life. It's called the law of attraction. You know, you can read up on it. So it's a proven thing, right? If you, if you come from lack, you're going to experience more lack in your life because your life, your mindset's like a mirror. Whatever you put out, you really, it bounces back at you like a mirror. So why not come from the abundance mindset? But just like you said earlier, that overexertion, that desperation, you know, in a market that we're having right now, you're not going to get these huge banger plays every single day. In a non-directional market, I want to say in a linear bull market, you could have maybe swung anything overnight. It would have printed for you. But we're not in a market like that. You got to be able to adapt to that. So what what happens if you take a loss in the market? I call it the next mentality. Fuck it. It's cool. It's done. Next. Right away. Right? Because you, you have to learn to be versatile. You got to learn to go ahead and you see that loss in front of you. Okay. Now it's on to the next one real, real quick. Because the more that you sit there and you worry about it and you let it eat away at you, the more that mindset goes from that abundance mindset and now the lack starts taking over because now you're down. But while you're down and while you feel like shit, there's 10 other trades going off at the same time. So why are you going to sit there in your feelings during that time when you could just press on? So I, I definitely agree with you on that. I think that that type of desperation, that that type of... um lack mindset, that type of negativity is very tough uh, for people who are very used to having these banger freaking plays when the market was great. The other day, and I want to go back to you talking about thinking about the money you're making on a daily basis and relating it to something tangible in your everyday life. So a group of buddies and I were planning a trip to Austin, Texas, and we're going through and we're looking at the cost of the flights. And the flight for me is going to be like 350 bucks. And I'm like, Jesus, like three, I'm like 350 bucks. Like, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's just annoying to spend that type of money on a flight. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, <laughs> and I go look at my trading account. I had made 400 bucks on that day. Now, if I look at, you know, plus $400 in my trading account, I'm thinking to myself, like, this isn't, a lot of money, right? It's like, oh, it's $400. This is, I guess, what I'm supposed to be doing. But th- immediately, I tell myself, I'm like, holy shit, I just made 400 bucks in 10 minutes just based off a skill that I've learned. I pulled that 400 bucks out and I paid for my flight. How beautiful is that? We completely forget a lot of times that the money we're trading with and you know the money that we're making, we're doing this for a reason. It's to make money. It's not to post cool Weeble cards and cool gains picks on Twitter. It's like, those are 400 real dollars that I made that I just used to pay for a flight. And if you start thinking about trading in that sense, then you become more content with the money you're making. And the expectations and that desire to always make more, I don't know that it ever goes away. I think it's just human nature. And as long as it doesn't get you in trouble, 
you mentioned, you know, use those gains picks that you see. Use those people who are making five figures, even six figures um, in a single day as motivation. Use that as motivation to, okay, I want to get to that level. But don't forget how far you've come, right? I used to make 15, 20 bucks in a day and I was hooked on the market. I was like, I cannot believe that I just made $15 from an idea that came out of my mind, right? And all I had to do was press some buttons. And now I've had days where I've made up to, you know, $5,000. And I'm telling myself, why is that? Why is it that I'm no longer satisfied with making, you know, a smaller amount of money? And it's all expectations and managing expectations is so important and understanding that any amount of money that you make is awesome. That's why we're doing this, right? We always say that. That's why we're doing this. We're doing it to make money. We're not doing this to be cool. We're not doing it, you know, so Dwayne Trade can get 50,000 followers on Fintua, even though that would be sick. <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, like, come on, like, that is why we're doing this. We're all hungry to make money, whatever you need it for, whether it's to feed your family, whether you want to put a rollie on your wrist, whatever you want to do. But understand that this is a skill that, you know, if you put your head down and you work, it's going to give you that opportunity. So I love that you made that point about relating it to something tangible in your everyday life. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, you know, me and my friends, like we always have an ongoing joke for, you know, if we're out and we're going to go ball out somewhere, we're going to go to some dope restaurant or whatever. And we spend a lot of money that day. We'll be like, it's cool, dude. Just scalp it the next day. Yeah, like, that's awesome. always say that. <laughs> yeah, just scalp the fuck out of it. It's good. Or, you know, hey, I, you know, people say I bought this with trading profits. I'll just be like, I'm just going to scalp it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, any any trip that I've gone on, I went to, you know, Vegas. Um, I was there. I didn't go for the Fintway conference, but I was there during that time. Met a bunch of cool people or whatever. And, you know, I lost some money when I was gambling. Next day I woke up, I scalped the fuck out of it and made it back. Like, you know, it's, it's crazy. But one of the things I want to touch on, though, what you said is really important. You know, you're like, you know, I spent 10 minutes or whatever, 18, 20 minutes in the market and I made this amount of money. But people forget, right? Money's great. Don't get me wrong. What's the real luxury? The real luxury to me is the freedom, the free, the freedom of trading. I've been, I've, I've traded everywhere you can imagine. I've traded on the beach in Hawaii. Uh, you know, obviously at, at my home. I've traded at restaurants, bars, fucking in the in an airplane, in the airplane bathroom because that's where the the Wi-Fi was working. Like, I mean, you you can just um, anywhere you can imagine. You know, you're able to do this by clicking a few buttons. But the reality of it is, you're able to do it, and you're able to do it with a a certain time that you could be really utilizing. I always call for myself in the morning. I call it the sixty minute workday. 60 minutes, I make my money in the morning. I can do whatever the fuck I want the rest of the day. Sometimes even 30 minutes, I make my money. Cool, I can chill the rest of the day. I can do whatever I want, right? But it comes with the time. So some people, you know, in my Discord when we trade or whatever, you know, I'll say, oh, hey, how much you guys make on that trade? 200 bucks, 150 bucks, whatever. You know, one time uh, I had a member and he's like, you know, I only made 100 bucks. And I was like, okay, go look at your timestamps. So he goes back, he looks at his timestamp. I said, how long were you in the trade for? He's like 58 seconds, right? You know, literally on an SPX zero day TA contract, 58 seconds. And I said, go ask any one of your friends. Are they even making a hundred bucks an hour? You were able to do that in 58 seconds. You know, think about that. 
you know, and so when you start thinking about it like that, when you kind of got to broaden your mind when it comes to that, because again, you know, people forget that you're making a solid amount of money, even 40 bucks in 50 seconds, even, even in, you know, five minutes, that's less than people, people make on an hourly basis. If you're making $500 a day in the market, even less than that 300, that's more than people making in an eight hour workday. And you're chilling and doing that by clicking a few buttons without anybody supervising you or any of that. I mean, it's the freedom. So like, I always emphasize that it's, it's about the freedom. Um, time is the only thing that you can never buy. You can never buy it back. You can only spend it. That's the biggest luxury in life is time. Exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that a lot of times, particularly on FinTwit, people kind of get jaded by the thousand percent gains and the hundred thousand dollar days, even though we haven't seen so much of that anymore since the market sort of um, took a spill. But I mean, still, right? That That's what hooks people in is seeing those types of gains. And, and that really sets their expectations. And then when you make a hundred bucks, 150 bucks, 200 bucks on a trade, particularly like you said, when it's in a minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, like that's, that's fantastic work. Right. And I, and I think that people have their expectations a little bit too high and then they wind up getting let down by that. And that's also what leads to that chasing, that oversizing. I'm going to add more into this contract than I'm comfortable with because I want to get that gain that I saw in Fintwit. And that's ultimately, um, as we know, what leads to your downfall. Um, one of the things that you touched on briefly before was level two and how you use level two in your trading. You said that it's one of the primary ways um, that you like to take your trades. I want to ask you um, to dive a little bit deeper into how exactly you're using um, level two, how you learned how to use level two, and um, I guess just what kind of um, advantages you know learning how to read level two can have for you as a trader. As a trader. So you know, I I, I go ahead and I um, I actually use level two, but one of the main um, things that I actually use is is the time and cells, which is considered to be the tape, right? They call it the tape. Um, but it's time and sales. So I use level two for a various amount of opportunities in the market. Now, for somebody like me who's trading based off of supply and demand, remember that supply and demand first off is dynamic. It's ever changing, right? It's based off of buyers that come in, which is demand. And it's based on sellers that come in, which is supply. Now, if you look at key level support and resistance, that's really built over time of a potential ticker's movement. Okay, the supply and demand is always going to be dynamic. So when I'm taking plays, I'm really looking for rejection points. So I buy into strength and then I sell into weakness with puts and I bank on that. Or I'm looking for a potential bounce opportunity. And the bounce opportunity, I'm essentially buying into the weakness and then I'm selling into strength when I see the demand come in, the buyers come in and the, and you get a nice green candle to the upside. So the way that I use it is I'm really looking at level two for particular areas of supply and demand. I'm looking at where are these bounce levels at? Where are the buyers coming in? Or, is, or if I'm in a, a particular play, is there any sell walls that are in my way, right? When you're looking at um, well, time and sales, time and sales is essentially a numbers matrix. It's very difficult to read. This is a technique that took me months and I would literally sit there and just watch it just to try to learn it. And then I would trade like one paper traded contract at a time just to test my strategy and see if is it working. 
right? There's a lot of concentration that going in. You're hawking orders that come in. You're looking at where are they buying it at, right? Are they buying above the ask? Are they buying at the ask? What's happening during that time? What's the the amount of size that these buyers are coming into the sellers are coming in? And you really have this like scale in your mind where you're looking at, okay, who has advantage here? The buyers have advantage here or do the sellers have advantage here? Okay. Now, when it comes to time and sales, those are real-time executed orders that are coming in, right? And those are being fulfilled during that time. That's what you're looking at when it comes to time and sales. Now, the difference between that and level two is level two is the order books. Those are orders that are sitting, they're wanting to be filled, but they're not filled yet because that price point has not hit, right? So you want to be able to really use both, utilize both of them. Right. And utilize them together. And then my number one indicator would be volume. Right. You need volume. Volume is a driving force in the market. That's what's going to be able to provide you with continuation or no no continuation at all. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you about your setup. So you're watching level two. How much attention are you paying to the charts themselves? So essentially, as a tape reader. Right. And if you've been doing this for a fair amount of time, um, I don't need to look at a chart anymore. I used to, right? And I've tested it in a way where I'm like, okay, well, do I need the chart? Now, do I use a chart? Yes, absolutely. I do. I mean, why not, right? Why am I going to limit myself? If it's available to me, fuck it. I'm going to use it, right? But in reality, all I really have to look at is time and sales in level two. Price action determines sentiment. That's the reality of it. The entire market is based off of buyers and sellers. That's it. So price action is king for me. As a scalp trader, that's what I need, right? I need a good amount of buyers that are coming in or a good amount of sellers that are coming in. And I have to, in my mind, be able to weigh out who has the advantage here, the buyers or the sellers. It's as simple as that. But just remember one thing. On level two, there's something called spoof orders, okay? There are orders that'll come in and then they'll disappear on you real quick. And you got to be able to differentiate and, and identify those. And if you're really good sometimes, even if you're really good at times, right, you might misidentify those, right? They look like a real order that's coming in. It hits a certain price point. The order disappears on you. So I really like to rely mainly on time and sales because those are the actual real-time executed orders that are coming in. I've never personally attempted to trade via tape. And I think that the general sentiment, and I want to get your opinion on this, is that it's an outdated method. And the reason I say that is because we now have obviously um, charts where we could throw, uh, you know, name your favorite indicator, toss it on there. There are so many different ways now to trade and the speed at which data is presented on the charts. And we talk about technical analysis and chart patterns and levels of support and resistance that you're able to chart out, whether it's horizontally, or if you like to, uh, you know, draw trend lines diagonally, there are so many different ways to trade. What is the true edge that you found through taking the time? And you mentioned taking months to study and learn how to read level two and how to read the tape. Simple answer. Indicators are lagging. They're lagging indicators. Now people will talk about you know, the 8 EMA, the 21, the 9 EMA, okay, this is a golden cross. This is a, the fucking RSI is at this level right now. Oh, look, it's oversold conditions. Let's go ahead and buy it and it fucking keeps dipping. And then what? 
I, I know people personally who have tested it, right? They'll come in, they'll be like, okay, cool, we're going to test the RSI, right? They'll come in, $5,000 account, only playing it based on RSI, right? Oversold and overbought conditions. Oversold, cool, we're going to go ahead and jump in to some calls. Overbought, okay, we're going to jump into some puts. Ask anybody, how, how does, I mean, if it was as easy as that, we'd all fucking be millionaires, every single one of us, right? If I could just bounce something off of a line that I see, right? If I could, if I could reject something off of another line that I see, if I can see the price above a certain line, right? Uh, or a certain point on the chart itself. And then I jump in the calls because that's what that indicator says. It's like, okay, cool. Well, if this price is, if it's trading above this right here and the, and the price action is trading above this in particular, that, okay, this, this naturally is going to go up. I mean, if it was as easy as that, we'd all be millionaires. It, it would be that simple. The edge is, again, what it comes with, right? What's, what's the market? First off, the market is random. You have to accept that. Now, people will talk about, you know, bearish divergence and bullish divergence. If you're on a headline-driven market, fuck all that. That goes out the window. It doesn't make a difference. But if you're a strict price action trader, you are trading based off of supply, sellers, and demand buyers, the game changes for you. You have a, a type of advantage. Now, people will always talk about, oh, the tape is, some people will say, you know, it's obsolete. It doesn't work these days. There are people from years ago that still utilize this because this is what the market is made of. It's made of buyers and sellers. That's what determines price action. So why not be able to read the one thing that the market runs on? Yeah, 100%. Do you use additional indicators with um, with your level two analysis? Because obviously, like you mentioned, anytime that you're using one single indicator, whether it's an EMA, I'm going to buy it solely off an EMA tester, um, VWAP. Once we get to VWAP, I'm going to buy XYZ, right? Like when you kind of use that one indicator and just say, okay, I'm just going to ride or die with this, um, you might as well flip a coin, right? But when you can get some confluence of whether it's indicators or indicators and level two, like you mentioned, indicators and flow, whatever it is, um, that can, that confluence can um, add to your conviction in the trade, which helps you. Um, you know, be be confident and and only take really A plus setups. What sort of additional indicators do you use um outside of level two? What do you like to pair it with um to really get that confluence and confidence in your trades? I stopped using all indicators. The only indicators that I have is the Bollinger Bands, and the reason why I stopped was I felt my I felt like I was relying too much on the indicators that my focus would go towards the indicator and see if price action was above a certain line or below when it really came down to the tape is going to be able to provide. So I used to miss out on a lot of entries or even get stopped out on a lot of, on a lot of uh, entries during that time or a lot of positions during that time because I was relying so heavily on the indicators. So it kind of skewed um, my, my confidence in the play because I was looking at them so much. As soon as I removed those and was able to just really strictly rely on the tape itself, uh, I just found more value in the market that way. I wasn't getting stopped out too quick. Um, I was letting price action determine and, you know, buyers and sellers coming in determine the move. I was letting the play play out without getting too stressed about, oh my God, it dropped underneath this line. Fuck, should I sell it? You know, so 
Um, that's definitely something that's helping out with Bollinger Bands. I mean, they're, you know, they're ever changing, they're expanding. Um, and then you see them narrow out a lot of times and people say, oh, we well, you know Bollinger Bands will narrow out and then you see a break to the upside. Not necessarily. It's not all the time, right? But I use the Bollinger Bands. I like using the upper Bollinger Band in particular because there's usually a, a type of rejection that I see on that. Um, but I really just, as of now, you know, when I see a strong market, I see a green candle rip through that Bollinger Band, then you might see some more strength in the market. Um, but again, uh, indicators to me are lagging. Uh, time in sales, level two is always proven to kind of rain for me. So I, uh, I just rock with that for now. Um, I know some people kind of make up their own algos and stuff and people, <laughs> I can't tell you the amount of people who message me on a daily basis to promote an algo, um, you know, some sort of a system or some sort of um, coding that they, they coded some particular program. Um, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. I don't care how much your algos cost uh, coming into the market. You know, if you're, especially if you're a beginner, a lot of people get caught up in this and they always talk about, Oh, you know, I bought this special algo and it's a 90% win rate. Well, if a fucking, if that's true, then why wouldn't you just full port every single time? Right. It doesn't work that way. Uh, so I, I think of it the same way that I think of indicators, right? You know, shit's going to lag. I mean, nobody's sat here and mastered the market. Nobody can sit here and say, I have a hundred percent win rate. It just doesn't work like that. You might have a very high win rate, but you know, but there's sometimes that you get clapped by the market. Things just don't work out. But again, market is random. You have to accept that. So the next question is for somebody looking to learn level two tape reading, what resources should they take a look at? I feel like this topic in general is intimidating for a lot of traders, including myself. As I mentioned, this isn't something that I've really ever looked into um, too in depth. So for me, how, how would I be able to get started? Well, I mean, you know, I was able to do this by really watching some YouTube videos on it and then really jumping into the market and actually doing it. Right. But I would do it in a sense where I would just really watch it. Now, obviously, you know, during that time, um, there were no particular classes and, and things like that for you to do. I developed a, a boot camp um, that's strictly based on tape reading. It teaches you everything from A to Z from the beginning stages. It's really the fast track, but I, I'm not here to shill that. That's just something that I developed. But look, I'm a product of learning on my own. Um, I find uh, more satisfaction in learning on my own. So essentially sitting there and really understanding it and just watching it is really how I learned it. You're sitting there and you're watching it the entire time. You're watching these orders come in, these buyers come in, you're watching these sellers, you're watching certain size come in. And then, you know, just like riding a bike, right? In the beginning, you're riding with training wheels. So essentially, you're not going to take no size or anything like that. You're just going to be watching and you're going to slow down the tape for yourself. Right. So slow it down in the beginning. And then later on, you know, you you're going to go ahead and speed it up. And then at one point or another, you're going to get to a consistent speed of what you really see at the market open or what you see midday or what you see at the close, because volatility is going to change right throughout the day. So um, every single day in the market is different and you really got to watch it on different days. Now, you may have 
uh, you know, FOMC coming out, right? So FOMC comes out and, and you're watching the tape during that time. It's fucking crazy, right? Yeah, I could barely read it, right? And I, and I consider myself to be somebody who's pretty fluent in reading the tape. But it, it gets super crazy, and I got to be able to differentiate the orders that are coming in, who has control here, buyers or sellers, well, what's going on, right? And then other days, you're going to have a shit volume market. Let's just take today, right? Today at the open, we had a lot of low volume at the open. And, you know, maybe on days like this and where the market is a lot slower, you're able to kind of see um, uh, the, the amount of volume uh, based on the amount of volume that you have. You're able to see that price action essentially slows down for you. So really, you know, two ways that you could do it. Obviously, there's always paid courses and that's really up to you if you want to take that step. It's like, you know, you could have a gym membership and or you could go and run in the fucking park or you could go in and buy a gym membership or a personal trainer. It's up to you. Right. Um, but I always emphasize that I was able to do it on my own with somebody with no financial background, didn't know shit about the market, was gambling at the beginning, didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, do it on your own. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's so many other resources that YouTube, you know, everyone calls it YouTube University. It's great. But um, there's unfortunately the ones that I learned uh, about tape reading from mainly the ones that had really great information. I can't even find those channels anymore. They didn't have a lot of subscribers. But, you know, I would really emphasize uh, utilizing YouTube to your advantage. There's a lot of good information on there. Um, if you want to go that route and basically teach yourself. Let me ask you really quick, what platform do you use when you're looking at level two data? So on um, for level two and time and sales in particular, I, uh, I'm on some platform for that, um, including the volume and the charts and everything. And then I actually trade where my, my capital is all in Fidelity. So I use Fidelity Active Trader Pro every day. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Cause we, I, I use Thinkorswim too. And I, I've seen the level two on there as well. And one of the things I realized, um, and this is kind of just an anecdote, but like one of the things I've realized I've paid for, I guess, brokered services in the past, like way back when I was, um, you know, trading penny stocks. And one of the things I found is the level two data and the time and sales data on, um, this brokerage, which really was not a great brokerage. I'm not going to name it, but it really wasn't great, but I will say the level two data and the time and sales data was really good. And I, I just feel like I wonder if you, if you did pay for level two data, if you would get sort of like a cleaner feed, what, what are your thoughts on that? No, not at all, man. I mean, I'm able to do it just off of the free data that's provided. Um, that's enough. Uh, I think some people, so there's a platform called TradeStation. Um, actually, we, we have a partnership with them. Um, it, it's free to join. Uh, they usually have a minimum of $2,000 to join. It's only 500 minimum. So if you have a smaller account, it's good for you. Um, but one of the things that their platform has is the time in sales. You can actually categorize it. So you could highlight, like if anyone's buying above the ask, you could highlight that in maybe dark green. If anyone's buying at the ask, you can highlight that in green. You know, if anyone is selling at the bid, you could highlight that in, in red. Or if these orders are coming in below, you could highlight it in darker red. It gives you a better um, uh, understanding of the tape and it makes it a lot easier. But just because I learned on TOS in particular, I stick with TOS. Um, but yeah, TradeStation, it's in my bio if anyone wants it. On top of that, it's only 40 cent commissions. If you're going to go to Thinkorswim, you're starting off at 65 cent commissions. And then as you trade more volume, you might be able to negotiate that. But 
you know, if you're trading heavy volume, the, you know, 65 cents per contract, that shit adds up. So, um, yeah, you know, feel free to take advantage of that. But there's various amounts of platforms that are freaking phenomenal. You know, uh, I like Fidelity, Active Trader Pro. It, you know, it's, it's more of an old school setup. I'm not going to lie. It's not the UI is not as appealing as like a Weeble or something like that. But um, I think that their customer service is phenomenal and their fills are incredible. Awesome. Um, last question for you before we get you out of here. Uh, and we've been asking pretty much every guest over the past several weeks, I think just because of where the markets are, right? And how this year has gone, I feel like a lot of the growth names, obviously, that a lot of the FinTwit crowd was um, sort of crowded into have taken a really big hit. And I know it's a ton of people on this app who maybe have just started out and are a little bit discouraged by what they've seen so far in 2022. What advice would you have um, for a newer trader um, in this, particularly in this volatile market? Very, very simple. Cash is a position. Don't forget about that. I think a lot of people always want to be a part of a trade just to be a part of it. Right. They, they just want to, in case it goes their way, they, they have that FOMO. And because they have that, they, they just want to take advantage of a particular price movement and be a part of a trade. Don't forget that cash is a position. It, it's easy to make money in the market. Right. But it's very easy to lose a lot of money in the market, too. Right. To keep that money is everything. That's called capital preservation. And I think that I learned that the hard way. So any advice that I could give anybody new that's coming in is cash is a position, right? Understand capital preservation, your risk management and your position setting will save you. And there's going to be videos and people telling you about it. You don't want to fucking hear it because you've made a good amount of money in the market. Essentially, you've gotten very lucky though, many times, you know, if your position sizing is out of whack or, you know, you've gotten saved a couple of times here and there. But you know, I would say relate this to a sport related to surfing as well, right? So as a surfer out in the water, you know, surfer out in the water isn't going to take every single wave that goes by, right? They're not going to go ahead and paddle out every single wave. So similar to the market, you're not going to take every single trade because if the setup isn't there and it doesn't look good, then why take it? So the surfer waits for that perfect wave. The same way that you don't take the quantity of trades in the market, you take the quality. Surfers waiting for the quality wave. That's when they paddle out. But remember something. So the surfer doesn't wipe out, they always have an entry strategy and an exit strategy. And I call that the if-then statements. So hypothetical situation, right? Let's just say if... uh, I always say this, you know, to a lot of people that start off in the market and they're confused about when to enter, when to exit, use the if-then strategy. So if Apple breaks above 170, then I will buy calls, right? Uh, if if Apple breaks, uh, or if I'm in calls and Apple breaks above 171.5, then I will start scaling out. Now you're going to use that on a risk management standpoint. If Apple breaks above 170, then I will get into calls. Now, on your risk management strategy is if Apple uh, dips underneath 168.15, then I will exit my position. Set the rules. Your rules are everything, right? And why do I say that rules are everything? Simple process. Go to a casino. If you go to a casino, let's just say that I own MGM and the guys from Kane Capital came through. 
And you guys came and you guys took my casino for two million, right? Do and you're at the blackjack table, right? And you know, heavy ballers. These guys came in, they wiped me out, right? I'm sitting there as a pit boss or the floor manager or whatever, and I'm like, oh shit, okay, cool. They they wiped out, you know, table one twenty at the blackjack table, fucking got hit. Okay, cool. Um, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna change the rules on blackjack? No, I'm going to probably hook you guys up with a couple bottles, you know, maybe send some fucking hookers to your room. I don't know. Right. Like, right. Maybe like, you know, hook you guys up with some comp suites some comp dinners or whatever, because I'm going to want you to come back to my table and give that shit back to me because the house has an advantage. Why? Because they don't change their rules. So. The player does though, right? You get a little liquored up or whatever. Maybe you start might, you know, you might start a, a betting a little bit bigger, right? Or, or even smaller on, uh, on the, you know, whatever the case may be, but you're going to fluctuate your bets, right? During that time, right? The system that you had is probably not going to work out for you, right? Or you're going to get too distracted, whatever the case may be. But the reality is, is the player has a disadvantage because they change their rules majority of the time. That's why liquor is free in casinos. Right. They want you to alter your state of mind in order for you to be able to bet more and not run a progressive system at times. And the house always wins because they don't change the rules. Simple as that. So stick to a set of rules that you have. Don't change it. No matter what the market is doing during that time. The one thing that you have control of every single time is when to hit that sell button. Understand that risk management is everything in the market. Understand that your position sizing is going to be either you profiting in the market or you taking mad losses in the market. And that's really what it comes down to. And if you hold yourself to that standard every single day, there's going to be times that you take hits in the market because it's inevitable. Nobody's perfect. But just remember that you're able to use capital that you preserve to be able to utilize it the next day. So you live to fight another day. Sam, thank you so much. Tons of valuable information there. I want to, again, thank you for taking the time to join us. This was an awesome interview and it was great getting the chance to meet and speak with you. Very, very excited for our listeners to give this episode a listen. Thanks again. Absolutely, guys. Thank you guys for having me on. My honor. Um, uh, really, really appreciate you guys running something like this. I think this provides a lot of value to not just new traders, but other uh, seasoned traders as well. So thank you guys for that and have a good day. Awesome. Noah, another great episode, boss. I'll see you next week. Absolutely. See you guys on episode 38. Our content is intended to be used and must be used for informational purposes only. It is very important to do your own analysis before making any investment based on your own personal circumstances. You should take independent financial advice from a professional in connection with or independently research and verify any information that you find in our podcast and wish to rely upon, whether for the purpose of making an investment decision or otherwise.